Now for our message today, be brought to us by Mr. Bartimus Grayson, the Lord's Supper getting ready. preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes said to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Today as mentioned in the uh, earlier by the song leader today is the first day of spring and the uh, what I heard was that the vernal equinox uh, happened around 437 this morning so we know that the days are getting warmer grass is turning green the trees are uh, budding out and those yellow daffodils have been out since last month tracking the sun as it moved across the sky for many people spring brings a feeling of hope and renewal to life for it is a time to look ahead and be thankful that we can look forward to a new holy day season and see the purpose for our being. So we can be thankful for this, that we're able to be here together. And this is what we will do today is to look ahead at the holy day that is coming up. In the book of Leviticus chapter 23, we see where the Lord said, these are my feasts. And there he told Moses to inform the people that they were to observe these holy days at their appointed times. And that there is a purpose for the keeping and remembering of these holy days of the eternal God. So at this time next week, we, we will be entering the uh, Passover season or, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And for us today, this observance begins with the Lord's Last Supper, or what some refer to as communion, which memorializes the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God for the forgiveness of sin. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses, let's see if I have this written down. But in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 through 17, we read where the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion or the fellowship of the blood of Christ? We'll, uh, we'll read this chapter later. But this last supper was a solemn meal for Jesus. His heart was heavy. He knew his time had come and the last hours of his life would be spent with his disciples at the supper table in an upper room. So as he expressed to his disciples that his longing was to eat the Passover and to partake of the, the traditional roasted lamb and observe the seven-day feast of unleavened bread, it was his desire to partake of that time coming. But it was at this Last Supper that Jesus instituted a memorial to show his death and sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin and to remember his love in giving his life for his friends and as he said to his disciples then he says to 
his disciples today. And he said, and you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You remember at that meal that Jesus took bread that evening. He blessed it, pieced it, pieced it out, and then gave to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. This is a representative of his body, the sacrifice that he was going uh, to give for the life of his disciples. And in like manner, he took the fruit of the vine. He poured it into a cup, blessed it, and passed it to his disciples and said, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. So this look ahead begins with a look with a looking back to the origin of the Passover and to the days of unleavened bread. Now we know that the Passover began in the land of Egypt after a series of miracles finally persuaded Pharaoh to let the people go. Now in Exodus chapter 12, we read, verse 1, that the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is the month, what we call the month of Nisan, or however you pronounce it. I may not be correct in that pronunciation. But its early name was Abib, Abib which means fresh young ears. And that was when the barley was to be harvested at that time. But it is the first month of your, your, your first year not the January 1st date that we are accustomed to in the dead of winter. And we see where God gave his people then a new calendar to observe. And this would mark a new beginning for them in the early spring with the hope for a new life free from bondage. And in verse 3 he said, Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth month of this day, they shall take them, every man, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating, according to what uh, they would be able to eat shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month, the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now some translate this to mean between sunset and dark or uh, twilight and others translate it as being between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. But four days later after this young lamb or goat was kept up, fed, petted, and was, it was slain in the evening before the sun set. And they shall take of the blood, verse 7, 
and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses where they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So we see that these herbs were to symbolize the uh, sorrow, the sorrow and grief for their past sins and for uh, being, experiencing terrible things in Egypt, their bondage in Egypt. And in verse 9, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. So they went through all this ceremony after they had slain the lamb. And thus shall you eat it. This is how you're to eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So they were to eat it in a hurry, hurriedly, because, and were also to be dressed for travel. So this entire observance, as, as we note when we read the story of how Passover, the days of unleavened, uh, bread began everyone shared that same uh, custom that same observance and it brought together all the families that God chose to come out of the land of Egypt verse 12 for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment for I am the Lord. I know that sometime in the past uh, a couple of years ago where you know, Reggie showed all of these gods that Egypt, the Egyptians believed in and worshipped and how God had defied and ruined every one of them uh, in the eyes of, of the Egyptians. Verse 13 and the blood shall be to you for a token of all the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So we know that this prefigured the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. In verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 5, it says that we are to purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So uh, we see later how this last supper pointed to the purpose for which Christ was sacrificed and why he instituted the uh, wine and the bread and those sacraments. Verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So God gave these instructions for keeping the feast of unleavened bread. We can read uh, of that uh, from verses 15 on down to 23. Where in verse 23... 
the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptian. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So the blood of the lamb that they painted around their doorway would protect them from uh, the destroyer, this death angel. It was meant, the blood was meant for their deliverance and for their safety. It was a physical act that they did that uh, uh, would spare them. So we know that the last supper of, of Christ was not a holy day, but in it Jesus gave the purpose for what the Passover meant and also the days of unleavened bread and what they would mean. In this last supper observance there came a new meaning that was instituted by Christ himself that we carry on today and which we'll be observing uh, next week. But it was the introduction of the bread and the wine as symbols to represent his fulfillment as the real sacrificial lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And he told them about this there at the uh, Passover meal or the Last Supper meal or communion that this do in remembrance of me. That when we do this, that we are to remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he took bread and he broke it and he said to them, take it and eat it because it was to symbolize his broken body. And he took the fruit of the vine, that is the wine, the oinos. He poured it into a cup and he said for them to drink it for it would symbolize his shed blood in the coming sacrifice that he would make, that he would suffer. And so by this we are redeemed, saved, and ransomed by his blood. And Jesus said to his disciples then and to us today that in these sacraments at the Last Supper, at the Last Supper, that you do show the Lord's death till he come. So afterwards, you know, we know that uh, after he was crucified, put into the tomb, that it was three days later that he was raised from the dead. The father raised him and he set him at his right hand in heavenly places. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32 to 33, uh, it you know, someone think, well, he's dead, he, he died, and he's no more. But we know that Christ lives today. So in Acts, 3, Acts 2, verses, beginning verse 32, This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. What the disciples talked about in, in their uh, missionary work. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. In John 17, 4, we read where it says, God says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify you me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name unto the men which you gave me 
out of the world thine they were and you gave them me and they have kept your word so we see what the Lord Jesus did in his time on the earth teaching the disciples giving them lessons about life and, and the way to go his commandments to obey and we also learn that Christ said greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends so he took upon himself the penalty for our sins our personal sins of each and every one so the father then caused death to come upon Jesus our Savior now, how is how is that possible how how can that be but it's just as the scripture says that all things are possible with God. So he was in the grave three days and three nights. And then he was brought back to life. So the observance of the Lord's Supper we know is to be kept annually until the return of Christ to the earth. For now the partaking of the bread and wine is symbolic of our acceptance and recognition of Christ laying down his life for each and every one of us individually to free people from their bondage of sin the wages of which is death now according to the sequence of in this last supper Jesus washed each of his disciples feet as an example that they too should wash one another's feet uh, that's what we do uh, traditionally and curiously we do this at the beginning of the observance because in John 13 verses 2 through 4 we read in supper being ended Jesus rose and laid aside his garments took a towel filled a basin with water and bent down to wash the disciples feet and wipe them with a towel but we know that the purpose of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples was to teach them humility and that no matter one's position in life one should not be vain and, and think too highly of themselves but to be humble. But we know that there was a contention that arose from among them as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom when it came. In John chapter 13 verse 13 Jesus said you call me master and Lord and you say well for so I am if I then your Lord and master have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you so we see the physical act of an attitude of service toward one another so repeating this act will remind us who, uh, of Jesus who made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant in love and service toward one another. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 won't read all of that but just this uh, scripture it says to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And we know that before the daylight hours of Abed 14 ended, Jesus would suffer betrayal, 
be arrested, unjustly condemned, blindfolded, beaten, whipped until his flesh tore and bled, and suffer the pain of a crown of thorns pressed down upon his head. And then on his way to the tree where he took our sins, he passed those jeering crowds of people who threw insults at him. But once upon the tree, that upright pale where he was going to be made to suffer, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And so we too should forgive one another and not condemn one another or take vengeance upon one another no matter who they are. So Christ came to save sinners and there is none righteous for all have sinned it says. All have transgressed the law of the Lord. Let's drop down to Romans chapter 3. Scripture says, verse 11, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this message that Jesus uh, brought to those who had ears to hear, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we have a high priest. Over the house of God. And it says to let us draw near. With a true heart. And full assurance of faith. Having our hearts. Sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed. With pure water. First Corinthians 11. 27 32. As I started to read earlier I believe. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or, or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body that is failing to understand what Jesus went through in sacrificing and giving up his life to save each of us personally and then making light of it and not deeply appreciating that sacrifice verse 30 for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep you know they, they were those that they believed but they didn't believe uh, they weren't taking their, their communion with Christ or their conversion as seriously as they should. Verse, 40, uh, verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. To be able to look at our own self to, uh, and examine our own self and try to make changes wherever we see some wrong uh, being committed in our life is better than having God or someone else pointed out to you. So, when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord if, if we don't uh, uh, go into the changes ourselves. So, to examine oneself 
To make self-correction is to avoid judgment or condemnation in that coming judgment at the end of the age when every knee shall bow before Jesus and give account. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we go through verses 1 through 17, but I just want to go down to uh, uh, verse uh, 11. Oh, no, verse 10. <laughs> Make it verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for our examples. For they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands to take heed lest he fall. Second Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but He's long-suffering, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's important to have a repentant attitude throughout our life if we have made that commitment to follow Christ. So it's a time for spiritual renewal and faith, hope and love toward God and Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist said in John 1.36, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in John 15.13, and, and indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So even the words of Jesus reminds us of this, that greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends, he said, if you do whatsoever I command you. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says to purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are in leaven. For even Christ, our Passover, for, is sacrificed for us. So this is what, you know, uh, by the time we come to the uh, la uh, Last Supper, we can look at ourselves, we can examine ourselves by looking at at the words of God. But it takes a lifetime to really become perfect in Christ. To examine ourselves, see our sins, put on uh, the new creature that is in Christ Jesus. Mankind has been given about 6,000 years of ex to experience ups and downs. And even in the millennium when it comes, uh, uh, there will be a thousand years where People will have choices to make still. So today, you know, we're starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel of this uh, ongoing pandemic. I know people have had varying and contentious views over this COVID-19 pandemic, and it has caused much political, social, and religious division, as well as death to people and what became a literal threat to American democracy. Many 
prayed, I know, for an end to this virus. Some fear it deeply, but many have showed an aversion and fear to the medical directions, common sense guidelines given in the interests of public health. But to this, I say, each to his own. I never had a, a flu shot until about two years ago. I, uh, my doctor uh, advised that I should take one, and so I did. And uh, now I've had bad colds, and I've had strep throat, and I've had uh, things like that when I was younger. I don't recall ever having a flu. But uh, though I never had a flu shot, I, uh, this didn't mean that I could catch it, uh, would catch it tomorrow or next month or next year. So there's really no guarantee at all. And I never thought I would need one. But at my age, I realized that it was the wise thing to do. I'm not fond of needles going into my arm. This COVID vaccine, however, we know uh, President Trump and his wife took it and so did, back in January and so did um, uh, Vice President Pence and his wife. And I heard him say at the CPAC meet a few weeks ago to take the shot. So did a host of other government leaders and health officials. They took the shot. So we often follow the role and the voices of our leaders or the party or their peer pressure. But it's a matter of choice and, and convenience, and I respect that. But I see my life as in God's hands, and in the future, when tribulation comes, you know, uh, it, I think the grave will probably be a place of safety for many. But it's a matter of faith. Romans 14 says, verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believes that he may eat all things, another who is weak eats herbs. Let him that eats despise him that eats not. And let not him which eats not judge him that eats, for God has received him. In the Living Bible it reads this way. Give a warm welcome to any brother who wants to join you, even though his faith is weak. Don't criticize him for having different ideas from yours about what is right and wrong. For instance, don't argue with him about whether or not to eat meat that has been offered to idols. You may believe there is no harm in this, but the faith of others is weaker. They think it is wrong and will go without any meat at all and eat vegetables rather than eat that kind of meat. You know, we're just talking about the meat that is offered to uh, idols in pagan ceremonies. Those who think it is all right to eat such meat must not look down on those who won't. And if you are one of those who won't, don't find fault with those who do. For God has accept, accepted them uh, to be his children. In Romans 14, uh, back again there, verse 22 to 23, have you faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. And he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And his conscience, you know, will go against him. So, you know, this is the context of, uh, of that meat being offered uh, to idols. 
verse 22 of the Living Bible, Bible repeats this again. You may know that there is nothing wrong with what you do, even from God's point of view, but keeps it to yourself. But keep it to yourself. Don't flaunt your faith in front of others who might be hurt by it. In this situation, happy is a man who does not sin by doing what he knows is right. But anyone who believes that something he wants to do is wrong shouldn't do it. He sins if he does, for he thinks it is wrong, and so for him it is wrong. Anything that is done apart from what he feels is right, is sin. Amplified Bible, Romans 14, verse 22 says, The faith which you have, that gives you freedom of choice. Have as your own conviction before God. Just keep it between yourself and God, seeking his will. Happy is he who has no reason to contemn himself for what he approves. So there are a lot of ways that one can influence the thinking or the judgment of others. So we have to be careful. In Romans 12 verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me. To every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man. The measure of faith. As God's messenger. Paul said. I give each of you God's warning. Not to think of himself more highly than he might. We know that some are weak in the faith. Some don't have as much understanding. And like I said, it takes time for wisdom to grow and knowledge to grow. And then it takes uh, applying what we learn. But we know also that some keep Passover or the Lord's Supper at different times and on different dates. Acts 5.29, it says we ought to obey God rather than man. And in Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that, it, that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So, 1 Peter 1 I'll be through here in about three or four minutes. Wherefore, gird up your, the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, you know, we read where uh, we're to prepare our minds to add to, your, add to our faith uh, virtue and knowledge and perseverance and those things, those virtues. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which is called to you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation or conduct. Because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning, here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained, foreordained before the foundation of the world, 
but was manifest in these last times for you. So the life of Christ, the things that he did, the things that uh, he has provided for us are in things like the holy days and through the observance of the Lord's uh, Supper. Trying to skip some uh, some of these things. Uh, well, uh, go back to Matthew twenty six and twenty nine, uh, as we read earlier, uh, verse twenty six. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink you all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We know that, you know, without remission, uh, uh, without shedding of blood, there is no uh, forgiveness. And so I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That course that new day is coming and we are reminded at this time to to look ahead and and have faith and hope as to what these in and what these holy days mean to our lives individually I'll close with uh, first first Corinthians eleven twenty six, where it says as often as you eat this bread now that's the bread of life. That's Jesus Christ, symbolic of him. And drink this cup. You do show the Lord's death till he come. And this do in remembrance of me.